0: The text for the sermon this day is taken from Mark chapter 4, which is Mark's account of the calming of the storm, which writes, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boats, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? That is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Whenever I come across this text, I'm reminded of a comment by one of my professors, Dr. Kloa at the seminary. He told us specifically about this text, that if he ever hears one of us preach in a sermon, that God calms all the storms in our lives, that he would rip up our certification. And the reason is, is because, one, is that that is a message that frequently is spoken of in regards to this text. And secondly, is it's not, that's not true. And third, that's not what this is about. So we look at this text. They're out, they're in the, they're out on the sea. On the Sea of Galilee, a sea that has a history of bad storms, and all of a sudden one of those very storms breaks out. And so I don't know if any of you have ever been out on a boat during a storm or not, but rumor has it they're pretty it's pretty terrifying. Because you don't it's not exactly like you could just walk across to get to land. It's kind of terrifying. And so you can imagine the disciples panicking and worrying. And you can imagine them probably pulling out buckets and trying to throw it overboard. Trying to keep the water low. Doing anything and everything they can to make sure the boat doesn't sink. And where is Jesus? He's sleeping. He's asleep in the stern Lying down, which by the way, this is a nice little reminder that Jesus is indeed human. At this point, Jesus has done a lot of teaching. He's performed a lot of miracles. And so, after a long, hard day's work, you want to get a nap because you're exhausted. Jesus is exhausted and there he is, sleeping. Sleeping. The disciples become frustrated. Thinking, you know, what are you doing? Wake up. I mean, at the very least, you can you know, baby, get up, get a bucket, and throw the throw the water, throw the water over, help us out. Don't just sit there, and just sleep there. They even say these words Teacher, do you not care? That we are perishing. See, one of the challenges with this, this miracle, and this is actually a challenge with a lot of teachings of the Bible, is that to some degree there is what we call allegory. Where this, the story is describing another reality of life. But the danger when we step into allegory is that we might get the idea that this didn't happen. That this is just a neat little story that we tell people to make them feel better. But this is an actual historical event. This really did happen on the Sea of Galilee around sometime around 30 A.D. But there is something to be said of the storms that are in our lives. The reality is that the world is constantly striking us, beating us down. We have marriages that are falling to pieces, we have relationships falling to pieces. We have our bodies, they're ravaging against us, destroying us. Whether it be by cancer, heart disease, any of a number of things that ravage against our body. Our finances are not always easy. Trying to scrape by to get every last penny we can get just to pay the bills The world comes at us and beats us down in many ways. Our congregations, and the time that's going to come pretty soon, you're going to have the reality of not having a pastor. And that's going to be, that is going to bring a challenge. There's going to, it's going to give you stress. It's going to give difficulties. And it may be that you'll get a call out of the seminary in May. It could also be over a year from now. That happens. And the temptation is to whatever tribulation, whatever trials befall us, we want to turn to Jesus and say, do you not care that we are suffering, that we are perishing, that we are enduring this, whatever it might be might be the many deaths that we faced in our, in our congregations. But here's the thing is, the disciples at this point have seen Jesus compassion. In their brains, they know that Jesus cares. In their brain they should know. That Jesus is not going to die. In that boat. I mean they know he's a prophet. They, don't get, they may not get yet that he's the Messiah. But they know he's a prophet. And it's, they should know that Jesus is not going to die. In a random storm. In a random boat. On a random day. Where nobody would ever find the body. But that's the thing, is when tribulation comes to us, when the world seems to be falling in on our head, nothing ever makes sense. The things we say and we do when we react doesn't make sense. We know what's logical, but that's not where we go. And so, so when they say this to Jesus, he awakes. And it says that he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. Or literally in the Greek it says, peace, be muzzled. And this, the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. So Jesus, when he was in the stern, showed his humanity by the fact that he was exhausted to the point that he needed sleep. And he showed his divine nature, that he was indeed God when he told the storm to be silent, to be still. And it was. I mean, think about that. I mean, just imagine that we, you know, we live in Iowa. We've seen our share of storms. Imagine, you know, think of the worst thunderstorm you've ever seen in Iowa. And understand, you're not in the middle of a even in the middle of Lake Okeboji. Just imagine, think of that storm where the, the lightning's striking everywhere, and typical northwest Iowa, there's plenty of wind. Imagine somebody standing there and saying to us that storm, saying, Peace, be still. And then the storm is gone like that. Wouldn't your jaw drop for a moment and just go, Wow? And, And I don't know about you, but I'd be a little afraid of the person who just did that. I'd be like, Who is this guy? And that's exactly what the crowds did. See, what's kind of interesting about this miracle is it's a miracle that Jesus did not plan to do. It was not a miracle he had to do. But he did it in the midst of the weakness of the faith of the disciples. Because they did not know, they did not fully understand who he is. They did not trust him. And see, that's the thing is when people will say that God comes to calm, promises to calm all the storms in your lives, they usually say that it comes out of great faith. The greater the faith you have, the more likely the storms will be calmed. The irony in such a teaching is that in this story, It was actually in the midst of their lack of faith that the storm came. Because you see, the reality is that the storms are going to come at us. That we are going to suffer many things in this life. The Bible never once promises that you're going to have an easy life. It does not say that if you're a Christian, everything's going to be all wonderful and, you know, butterflies and gumdrops and whatever. He says that the world will not, there is suffering. Romans 8, it was in our epistle lesson. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time Are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul is acknowledging that there is suffering in this world, and every last one of us will endure it. This is the consequence of sin, this is what sin has wrought upon this world. So the disciples in that Matthew version of that, they say, save us Lord. We are perishing. The thing is, is that they didn't realize that what they said was was both true and false at the same time. They weren't perishing from that storm. They thought they were, but they weren't but they were perishing from their sin. We are perishing from our sin. See, that's the whole point that Jesus came. He came to save us from our sin, which destroys us. See, Jesus came actually to calm a specific storm. And that is sin, death, and the devil. The storm which gives cause to all other storms. See the reason that God does not promise that he is going to bring relief to our suffering when we demand it in the way we want it is because that our present suffering is not what we need to be relieved of. We need relief from sin. Because God, we, we might be relieved from a storm here, so he might bring end to a storm one day. Maybe there's a really bad blizzard. You pray that it goes away. God takes it away. Guess what? We're in northwest Iowa. There's going to be another blizzard, I promise you. If you get hit, those finances are Fixed. Guess what? There's going to be more problems again later. Your relationships go better. There will be challenges somewhere else. It is not the temporal problems that Jesus came to save us from. He came to save us from our sin, which is the cause of these problems of these ills, of these tribulations. And see, the thing that you could take out of that miracle is not that when those storms befall us that God is going to immediately calm it. Rather, you notice what Jesus does not do when he's woken up? He doesn't get up and go, Oh, that is a bad storm. I'm out of here. Sorry, guys. You know, he could walk on water. He could just run across. No, he's, he's there in the boat with them. God is with you in the midst of your suffering. He is with you every step of the way. And he is the one in control. He, the one who could tell a storm to be quiet and listens, is the one who is in control of your life, even in the midst of suffering. And we know the destination of that is that yes, the storms actually will be calmed. But it might be death that calms that storm. Because death befalls us all, but for those of us who believe, on the other side of death is no storm at all, but peace, eternity, the redemption of our bodies. So again, as it says in Romans, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set from its set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That's what we long for. The storms will not be calmed the way we want them. But God will never abandon you. And he will lead you to that glory that is beyond all comparing that is beyond your wildest imaginations. Till that day come, to God be all glory. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you the one true faith and the life everlasting. Amen. We continue by singing Hymn 934.